to reading Psalms and Proverbs and all the Bible, but I'm particularly, I love Psalms because David went through some stuff. He came through some stuff. He, he had a lot going on in his life, and uh, God loved him a lot. He, uh, he repented a lot. How many need re- repenting a lot? Amen. I, I have that in my life all the time. I just, Lord, forgive me what I did and said and didn't do. But tonight, I'm going to preach a message on planted in God's house. Planted in God's house. If you notice the scripture up there, it's Psalms 92. If you'll turn your Bible, 92, Psalms 92, verse 12 through 15. How many are glad to be planted in God's house tonight? The Bible tells us the only way that we will flourish is be planted. You cannot get any kind of fruit or any kind of a growth unless you're planting something. And I thank God that we, are, we plant ourselves in God's house. I, um, I'm amazed that over the years, now 10 years, of how many people were planted, but they got uprooted. And I believe with all my heart that if you are uprooted, there is something seriously wrong to be where you're uprooted from where you've been planted at. And I, I say that because I've, I've seen them come, I've seen them go. And if you've been in here a amount of time, you've seen people come and go. But you know what? That's life, that's people, that's church. And there is always, always something comes up that causes us not to be in the house of God. Now, you can live your life without being in the house of God and be holy at home and be holy at work, which we should be. But there's something about coming together corporately is so important. The dynamic of being more than one of us in one place, a house full of people, is so exciting to see what God's doing collectively together and it's important that we always remember to be a church as much as we possibly can now at at church we are the church amen we are the church but this is a beautiful church building but i don't come here to worship this building i don't come here to worship you as much i love to see you i've come to worship jesus and be in the house of god amen I love this cute joke about this gentleman who was in bed. His wife had got up and she made a pot of coffee and she went in their bedroom and said, wake up, time to get up. And I don't want to get up. Time to get up. Got to go to church. He said, I don't like the people down there. I said, they're mean. She said, yeah, but you got to get up. You're the pastor. <laughs> Going to church when I was a kid was exciting Living in a little town named Onley, Texas. Can you understand that, Kendra? There wasn't a whole lot to do in Onley. Now, raised like I was raised with my mom and dad, bless their heart, they were strict, and I was glad they were. I I was too young. My sister kind of got the blunt of it because she was a teenager, and I was only seven years old. And when you're seven years old, you can't get in a lot of trouble. Ain't that right, guys? Seven years old, you can't get in a lot of trouble. But I can tell you that uh, we didn't have a whole lot to do. To show you how it was, it's 100 miles from here, a little town of, when we lived there, about 5,000 people. I don't know what it is today. It's down, probably 3,000 or something like that. But I remember 
Main Street was a was where it was, all happened. And the Main Street was, uh, and one other street was the only one paved in the entire city. And it was made out of brick. And uh, I remember so very well that brick because I was riding my bicycle and it was really wet that day and I fell on there. And I still got a sore elbow because of that when I was a kid. So I never forget those big old brick on the Main Street. But see, well, I was raised very strict. I was raised where you couldn't go to the picture show. Now that means movie theater. And you sure couldn't go to the, to the bars because there wasn't any there because it's dry county. You had to go find a, well, Wichita, probably the closest place you'd get any kind of booze. First time I've ever seen booze was an old guy sitting out behind the house and... Uh, he was drinking a bottle of beer, and I had not ever seen any liquor because obviously in my house, uh, playing cards was a sin. You say, do you mean playing cards was a sin? Yeah. My wife corrupted me. When we got, when we got, to, we got to going together, and her mom and dad played cards, and I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, I ain't going to tell mom and dad I played cards. And I was 16, 17 years old. But I never was able to do a lot because there wasn't much to do. But going to church was so exciting. It was where it was all happening, church. I could get to hang out with the kids and enjoy hearing the music. And that was a highlight of our week, is get, once a week, getting, or twice a week, getting out to church. And we went to church when there was a revival. We went to church every single night. I can remember as a child being under the pew. We had pews in. There's a reason they called them pews, because I think they stunk. But, but we had pews. We didn't have chairs. And it was a, it was a nice-sized church. I don't remember. It was much bigger than this. Laid out a little differently. But I remember as a kid, uh, we had some great times. God moved powerfully in our church service and saw some great, wonderful things as a child. I learned one thing, if I could... And you heard of holy rollers and Pentecostals that rolled in the aisles and ran up down the aisles. And nothing wrong with that. I had a pastor about pastor in Albuquerque said, I don't care how high you jump, jump as long as you're on the rock when you come down. Rock Jesus. And uh, I remember so well it was a protected place. Under the pew was protected because they couldn't run over you and while they run the aisles. I'm not against that. I'll, if you want to go run the aisles, go. Get excited. Scripture, verse 92, or chapter 92, verse 12. I want to also mention something else that I'm so glad that you're planted in this house. How many are glad to be planted? When you're planted, you get roots. You grow roots, deep roots, when you're planted. That's why I said earlier, if you've been uprooted, something's wrong. Something's bad wrong. Something's happened. Maybe somebody said something wrong. Maybe someone did something to you. But as long as you love Jesus and you go someplace else and serve the Lord, I think it's important. But we love to have you in our house. I call this my house, don't you? Verse 12. 
The righteous. I'm going to break this down this evening, okay? The righteous, which means who are just and lawful, who are like a palm tree. They are upright, tall, tough, through all conditions and can survive. I grew up in Arizona after I left uh, only Texas at 12 and a half years old. We went to Tucson, Arizona, desert. If you'll notice in the Bible, there was a lot of palm trees around. It was in the desert. And our house, my mom and dad had built, she planted palm trees. And there were palm trees everywhere. There were several different kinds of palm trees. There's a date palm tree which grows tall and it's skinny. And I'll never forget down the road, down the road from us in our home, lightning struck this big old tall palm tree. It's probably 50, 60 feet tall. And it looked like after the lightning had hit this, it turned it black. But for years and years, that palm tree stayed in the ground and never fell over. It was planted like a palm tree was planted. Very, 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 very strong tree. And I was amazed that it survived. It never grew a leaf. It never grew anything at all. But it stayed there in the ground. It would remind me so much of a telephone pole. It looked just like a telephone pole. It was the front yard of a house. It says, shall flourish bud or sprout out or shoot up, bring out, break out, abundance, blossom, break forth. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A cedar personifies in, in that straightness, strength, majesty, growing and increase, enlarging, upward, I mean, it sounds like a real strong tree. We're kind of like trees, aren't we? If we're planted, we'll grow. It will enlarge. We'll grow upward. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord means, conveys the meaning of being uh, stationary or permanent. When something is planted, it does not move around. It's in a fixed location. Many times in the body of Christ, we wind up seeing a lot of people church hopping and going from one church to another church. And I've been guilty of that. My wife had been guilty of that. But there was reasons why we did that. Uh, I worked in a, in a restaurant where sometimes it was hard to get off of work a certain time, so I went to the church closest uh, to where my house was, or to my work was. And uh, sometimes I had to drive a distance, but I know that, uh, that a lot of people just move around just because they want to find the greatest fad or the greatest thing going on. They want to find something out there that they feel like they've got something better, greener grass on the other side. How I many know there's not any greener grass? It's just a different yard. They got weeds in their yard too. And there's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect church. If we show up, we mess it up. Amen? This is not God's plan for a believer to church hop. It's not a 
plan for him. His plan is to, once you get into the house, be planted and stay there and be viable, be used, and grow. TV, Christian TV. I have a large, long heritage in listening to, a time of listening to Daystar TV, uh, TBN, Jimmy Swaggart, Sun Life TV. I am not against these people. We're on the same team. Now, we, if you listen to Christian TV long enough, you'll get real confused. Some will say you don't have to do this, and some will say you have to do it. And see, you've got to be really careful. Watch who you're listening to, and are they speaking the word? My roots go back with at least 35 years of being involved in watching and being at TBN Studios many times. And I had the privilege of knowing a lot of the, the Crouch family. Uh, the one, pa uh, Paul Crouch and Jan Crouch, passed on. And, and now Matthew and Laurie are, are heading it up. And I knew Laurie's parents real well when she was just a baby. They were our assistant pastors in Arizona. So I got to know him and his father and her father and grandfather used to be customers of mine. And so I knew them and I'd seen them over time and time again at Covenant where I used to work. And we talked a lot as we got to know them a little better. But we, we had some common ground there. We knew each other and our families. But you know, it doesn't make any difference at this point, but our pastor, Blake Andrews, you verify this back there. Landon, am I telling the truth? Our pastor was on Daystar TV years ago. We watched it today. And uh, I got a VHS uh, tape. What are you laughing for? I got a whole bunch of them. VHS tapes. You can't hardly destroy them. You can't scratch them. DVD, you can get scratched, and it just messes the whole movie up. But that, that VHS, it just lasts forever. I got them 30, 40 years old. But we pulled one out today and was looking at it a little while, and here is Pastor Carla and Blake on, TV, on, on Daystar TV. And I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if you've got the seat all or not, or that was the right one or not. I had to leave the house at the time. But it was so funny. Uh, he came from Costa Rica, and he had brought some coffee from Costa Rica. Now, some of these things he won't tell, so I'm going to tell on him. He can't be here defending himself. He's too far away. So I'm just going to tell on him. It was a funny story. But he had a, bag of coffee, a couple of bags of coffee there from Costa Rica, and so he wanted to give it to Marcus and Joni Lamb. So he had it sitting beside him there between him and Carla. And uh, as he, uh, at the end of it, it's unusual for Marcus to say, let's support this uh, ministry, let's support this group. And so Marcus said that we want to give $1,000 to your ministry in Costa Rica. Now that, that meant a lot of money back 18, 19 years ago. That was a lot of money for uh, a struggling evangelist and pastor in, in that ministry over there. And so he gave him a, a bag of coffee, two, two bags of coffee, one for each one of them. 
And he says, I've got more in the car if you want some more. I think he's looking for more offering. But that worked all right. They traded coffee for $1,000. So anyway, going back to the word. In Greek, the word church is esklesia. Esklesia, which means called out assembly. To assembly together. Not assembly of God, that's okay too. But assemble together. Verse 13, shall flourish in the courts of God. Verse 14 and 15, they shall bear fruit in old age. I know a little bit about that. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteous in him, Jesus. There is no unrighteous in Jesus. God doesn't want us just to go to any church. I believe with all my heart, my wife has said it many a times, that everybody that's in this church is handpicked. I believe that God divinely chose this house for you to be in. I believe that God chose you to be here and to reveal his word to us and to you. We should be glad that we're planted tonight. Can you say amen? Matthew 6, 8 tells us that God knows what we need even before we ask. And uh, over in um, Phoenix, Arizona, I worked over there for a year in the business, food business. We were transferred for a year. And uh, I was working long hours. We had just gotten town. My wife says, we need to find a church. I said, okay, we're going to have to go find it because I don't have time to barely get out of this place. I'm stuck here. You go find the church, and I'll go with you. Now, that's the first time we've ever done that. And she chose the church, and thank God, because it's a wonderful church. And we went there for a year, and still on Facebook, one of my friends that on Facebook is still the pastor of that church. He's 78 years old. Now, I see, I said a woman, yes, a woman pastor. Back then, nothing wrong with women. I'm not going to bash women pastors. Not my job. We just don't have women pastors in Victor World Outreach. But this was a different denomination. And the denomination, a lot of women were pastors. Anyway, we went there for a year, grew, loved it. But we planted ourselves in there. I'd go visit every once in a while another church just, to, just for fun, uh, not that I wasn't planted in that church for a year. We went to the First Assembly, Tanya Barnett. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not, but Tanya Barnett. Had a large church there in Phoenix, Arizona. Had a little bit of uh, background with him. My, my uncles uh, knew him. And so we, anyway, I'd, we went there every once in a while. But how many knows if you are planted, you're going to develop spiritually? And you're going to flourish. I love that word flourish. That just sounds good. Say flourished. Flourish. Say it one more time. Flourish. Oh, that's good. God desires us to be a part of a spiritual family. Here, we found friends. We developed friends. How exciting is it to see the little kids grow up together and see how they grow in the Lord and see how that the, 
we have the best teachers possible. And then I know that if you're a teacher, how many teachers we got here tonight? Now I'm not teacher school, but how I many? Come on, I know you're a teacher over there, Kendra. There you go. He got, you know, he, teachers. Teacher, the teachers back there in the back are excellent. Nursery attendants, excellent. I thank God for them doing that. I just am glad I don't have to go back and do it. But we got great teachers, great people who teach the Word of God back there. Not just babysitters, but good teachers. I'll count this, I'll say 10 reasons why we should go to church each week. So you can enjoy community with your brothers and sisters. Walking out our spiritual journey in the building lifelong friendships. What's so interesting and great about some of the people I was talking about earlier who are not here in this church is the fact that they are still friends. I know many of you are on Facebook with a lot of friends. People who have left church and they left in a good way. They didn't leave bad. But they left and they went somewhere else. Feel like feel like they should go somewhere else. We didn't think so at the time. But we have lifelong friendships that you build in the house. Number two, so you can use your gifts. Hemi has a gift. Come on, everybody should be raising a hand. Everybody has a gift. God gives us natural gifts. You may be a singer and you may be a hummer or you may be a whistler, but we all have gifts. Some have gifts greater. I can't play a guitar. I've got one, and I'm waiting on lessons yet. But there are guitar players up here that can play the guitar so beautifully, can play the keyboard so beautifully. We have intercessors in this house, people who know how to pray. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad there's over 30 people that is called when there's something happens that needs prayer? Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for gifts. You can discover, number three, you can discover your purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, says, For I know the plan I had for you, declares you, not for you. Not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Number four, so you can find a connection. Opportunity to build relationships with people. Maybe a, you may be a single person make, looking for someone to have a spouse. Can I see any single hands here tonight? Looking for boyfriends. You better look for a boyfriend in the house, I'm telling you. Because there are not many of them out there that I'd want to look. I thank God and my wife and I have been married almost 50 years coming up. I'm glad I don't have to go out and hunt for anybody else. I'd be out of practice, first of all. But I am sure glad that God provides good Christian men in the house. And you plan on getting married, that's good. Just don't shack up. Amen? Amen. Connections. Find the right person to marry. Don't get the wrong person. I didn't find my wife in church, but I got her there as quick as I could. Amen? She didn't, she didn't, she wasn't like a horse 
putting her feet, hoofs in the sand and saying, I don't want to go. She was ready. God was speaking to her heart years about wanting to receive Jesus. I told her, I said, uh, I'm going to church. She went with me. I told her this, I ain't marrying you until we go to, you, you make sure you go to my church. And I'm sure glad she did. Got saved, filled the Holy Spirit in one night. Nothing like getting together with fellow worshipers. Isn't it exciting to worship God together? Now, you might sound real good in the shower. You might sound real good by yourself singing, but it sure sounds good singing with somebody else, praising the Lord and raising your hands. Don't be shy. Don't be shy in the house of the Lord. Don't be one that keeps your hand down by your side when you should be raising them up. I remember one of the things that Carmen said, I'm so excited about him coming on the 8th, aren't you? Remember to buy it, somebody that's unsaved. I never forget one of the songs he said this. Anybody knows the answer in school, you raise your hand. I'm glad I know the answer. I'm glad I raised my hand. Number six, so we can learn the Word of God. We can study the Word of God together. And we can study the Word of God on our own. But it's important that we, over the years, I've found that being in church and listening to the Word, you get a lot of good nuggets, things you can take home, things you can live with, things you can digest in yourself and, and, and use those things that you've learned in church. I happen to think that we had the best pastor, the best preacher, this side of nowhere. Can you say amen? Nothing like preaching under the anointing. Number seven, so you can participate in missions. Our church is a missions church. If you don't know it already, we're a missions church. I remember one time I was on the board of a church, and they said we're going to have to cut corners. And one of the things they did was they cut corners in the missions program. In the same church, in the same city, there was several larger churches than ours. Ours was around a couple hundred, and there was churches, 1,000, 1,500, other two churches. And I'll never forget there was a competition about how much they could give in missions every year. The largest missions was about a quarter of a million dollars from that church, it was 1,500. And they gave that every single year, and they made sure that they, everybody knew about it because they wanted to show that they were a missions church, but they were blessed. Anytime that you give to missions, the church is blessed. The church where they decided to cut the program, to cut corners, basically was almost non-existent. God has a heart for the world. Not just our four and no more. Mark 16, 15. Preaching the gospel to all creatures. The great commission, go. I said this before. Two-thirds of God's name is go. G-O. D's left. 
Number eight, so you can practice generosity. When I give my money, I know that the Lord is pleased. Giving with a grateful heart, knowing that people that have never heard the gospel will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Praise the Lord. So many ministries can be birthed out of this church. We don't really talk about a lot about other ministries that we could have out of the church. Not saying these, we're not trying to hide anything, but something has been on my heart that pastor told you about the children's ministry in Costa Rica. Talked about how well that ministry went thousands a week going to minister thousands a week and seeing thousands of kids saved. Amazing amount of children coming out. My wife and I had the privilege of pastor teaching us a ministry called Hands of Love in his Manitas de Amor in Spanish in Costa Rica. We had a mobile home park in Louisville that we went to each week. We had about 50 kids. And it was Spanish and English both. And I only spoke in Spanish, in English. But there's a lot of, lot of fruit from that. We had kids get saved every week. All those 50 kids kept getting saved every week. We'd see back in the background back there, grandma's coming out, mama's coming out. And looking back there when they asked to receive Jesus as Savior, those hands were raised. Mama's, grandma's hands back there raised. So we, if a church, more funds, more growth, more opportunities to have ministries, going out and ministering. Let me know that you're, you're all ministers, like Pastor said last week. We're all ministers going out the highways and byways, talking about Jesus. Number 10, so we can enjoy food. Now that sounds kind of strange, isn't it? But this is the truth. I studied this out. I didn't make this up. The 10th the one was so we can enjoy food. I want you to think about that for a moment. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do with the disciples? He broke bread. He cooked fish for breakfast. He, was, he loved to eat. It was the interesting part about he loved to be with the disciples and eat. There's no saying where there's two or three Pentecostals bound to be some food. We've got some great cooks here. Think about what we, how much we enjoy each other when we're eating, going out to eat, breaking bread together, having potlucks here, doing things together in food. It's so important. It was once said that once the way to keep a church growing is out-socialize the world, the people outside the doors. I don't mean that we should be a social club. Don't get me wrong on that. But we need to be social people together as family. 
And we can keep people in our church by socializing. And he's found that small groups are important. I believe in feeding people. I believe in people being fed and people being, being uh, helped if you need fi- financial, you need food. I believe in feeding programs. Lots of ways of blessing people. In closing tonight, if you would get Kiana, I appreciate it. Is Kiana available? There she is. In closing tonight, I want you to know that there are people that's been in this house planted for quite a while. Nestor, where are you at, Nestor? Nestor, come in here. I want to talk about Nestor a minute. I don't want to talk about you while you're out there. Come in here. Come over here, Nestor. Give Nestor a hand. I picked on Nestor. Many of you could understand this. You've invited people to church. And very, done a very good job at inviting people to church. But Nestor, I'm going to have you talk a minute, okay? Get prepared. You can't preach. I'm preaching. I'll let you have a microphone for a minute. But Nestor and Priscilla, bless their hearts, they come to the old, old church over there. And tell me if I'm telling the truth now. Don't, I'm not going to lie. I'm telling the truth. Nestor and Priscilla would come in church and bless their hearts. They'd come down the altar every time and repent. They'd be down at the altar. Is that right? Yes, sir. They would come to the altar every time. But they'd be missing in action for some time. What, a month or two months? Two months. Two months. Two months. They'd be missing. And I, I'd go up and pray with them. I'd lay hands of God, get a hold of them, keep them in church. So one time I got tired of it, and I said, Nestor, Priscilla, if you ever want to make it for God, if you ever want to be planted, if you ever want to stay and see your kid, you better come to church and stay in church and quit, go, quit going out and doing drugs and all this stuff and stay, and stay in church. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So I wasn't being mean to them, but I saw the pattern. I saw what was happening. I saw how that with them coming in, going out, thank God they always repented. Thank God they always came to the altar. But the important part about it was once they got planted, they got planted and they stayed. Now, how long have you been planted now? You've been staying in church. I think we're going two years, two years and a half. Amen. You invite people to church? Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. How many people you got coming to church here now that you've invited or relatives or people coming? How many you think? I know um, I invited my best friend, uh, Roberto and Joanna. And I thought he wasn't going to come because I, I did lose a lot of friends coming to church. But he came. He was a, he was a faithful friend. Um, family, my wife's family started coming, my cousin, you know, and every now and then 
my manager will come. Yeah. How many do you think with family and, and friends? I'm not sure. Probably like 10. 10. From one. Think about that. He stayed in church, got planted, and 10 people now planted. Praise the Lord. God bless you, buddy. Hello. I wanted to use that example is because so many times we get distracted. I like sports. I'm not against sports. I grew up not able to play sports. Sports with the devil. That's what I was told as a kid. You just can't go play. You can't be off on Sunday. You can't go do this and do that because you got to be in church. I, I, it didn't bother me. Thank God I went to church. I wasn't much of an athlete anyway. But I, I, I thank God that I was raised to be in church and planted. But you can get involved in things that distract you and take you away. I'm not going to say who this is because I'd be a fool if I did. But I've watched over the years people who come in and they get their kids involved in things like sports. And I'm not talking about activities on Friday night football. I'm not talking about that or soccer. Or, those are all good things. Baseball, football, school, after school, playing in school. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a particular kind of event that takes every single weekend away. I have a friend that I've known many years. His two daughters were very involved in cheerleading. And he told me one time as I was standing next to him and talking to him for a while. He said, you know, cheerleading has become our life. I asked him, I said, I haven't seen you in church. I worked in the church. I haven't seen you in church in quite a while. He said, well, i tell you what. He says, uh, every single weekend we have to travel. And we travel a lot, other states, in competition. We travel all over the state in competition. But I can remember him telling me, I wish I could be in church more. But for whatever reason it was, his wife wanted to see their daughters in this competition of cheerleading. I'm not judging them at all. But I remember seeing the girls in the school where I work I remember seeing them in chapel. I remember seeing them involved in, in the chapel services and things in the school, but never got to see them in church very often. Very seldom they'd ever come to church. 
today, one of them is becoming very, very well-known movie star. And she's got a movie coming out sometime in September. It'll be shown around here. But she's uh, doing that party thing. She's become Hollywood. And I hate to see that because they could have been planted in church and maybe they would have gone a different direction. I'm talking about a person in the old church over there on Fort Worth Drive. Must have been, she must have been a young girl of, I don't know, five, six years old. I've never seen worship come out of one person in my life like this young lady. With I watch your kids, parents. I watch your kids. It is so exciting to see. Them. I've got video I've taken of sent pastor. Video of your kids raising their hands in sincerity, not just a fake, but in sincerity worshiping the Lord. I love that. But I watch this young little girl altar crying, raising her hands, standing up here while everybody else is worshiping, standing up here being worshiping the Lord and being lost in the Spirit. Hardly ever see this person anymore. Grown now, a teenager. Not going to say who it is, but occasionally I get to see him. This here now is here. So sad. Arms crossed. Puppy face. Doesn't even want to be in church. Only comes because they have to. That's sad. It makes me sick to think that they let that happen. So sad. But thank God for a grace. Thank God for His mercy. I just say this. Stay planted. Don't let things or people or events take away from being planted in the house. Stand with me tonight if you would all this house. I'm so glad tonight that you chose tonight to be in the house. I would love to have had the opportunity to preach this on Sunday morning, but we're going to have somebody else preach on Sunday morning, and I know they're going to do a great job. It's going to be a great Sunday. Come to church Sunday. Amen. But I want you to be knowing that we're so proud of you. As leaders, we're so proud of you being here, kids. Being on the front row. Being involved in church. Being steadfast. Coming with your parents. Loving the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. It's a lifelong plan that God has for children. 
teaching the children how to worship. I remember my wife telling the story about our daughter who is almost 40, our baby. My wife would take her to the altar, put her arms around her and pray. Pray in the Spirit. And she loved that. She asked questions about it. But she was trained to learn about speaking in tongues at a very young age. So wonderful. I want to encourage you tonight to stay in church. If you don't know Jesus tonight, you're missing out on the greatest event of your entire life of knowing Him as your personal Savior. I can tell you there's nothing like knowing Jesus. He is my friend. I'm His friend. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. I've been serving Him now for 60 years that I can remember more than that probably. And I've realized that what my life would have been without Jesus. And tonight, if you don't know Him, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to make your way down to this altar and say, I want to receive Jesus. I'm not going to have you close your eyes. There's nothing wrong with that. Bow your heads. I'm not, that's, I felt tonight not to do that. We do it every service, and that's what we do. But I felt like tonight, if you're serious about it, you want to receive Jesus, publicly confess Him right now. If you know Jesus, great. If you don't know Him as your personal Savior, I want to pray with you. Make your way down to the altar right now if you don't know Jesus. We'll give you an opportunity to do that right now. The greatest opportunity is to know Him as your personal Savior. Praise the Lord. I love that song. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Jesus loves me. Thank God tonight for Jesus. As we close, I want to pray this prayer. Which is, I want you to pray after me in a moment, but I want to read it this way. Romans 9, 10, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's an opportunity to be born again. If you listen by internet, be born again. If you don't like the way you're born, you can be born again. Amen? So tonight, let's repeat this. For with my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess that Jesus is Lord. I confess Him as my Savior. You raised Him from the dead, Jesus from the dead. And now I am saved. I'm born again. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
I want to spend time around the altar. I want to tell you something about the altar. The altar is not a place that you come because you're, you're, you've done something wrong. A lot of times people stand back and they're, they don't want to come to the altar because they're thinking of people looking at me like I must have some sin in my life. We all got sin in our life, buddy. We all got sin. We all need to be at the altar repenting. There's none righteous except Jesus. I encourage you to come to the altar. Come make your way tonight. Spend some time with the Lord in prayer.